Anyone who listens to the show knows that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes into running an accommodations business. Whether it's a hotel or short-term rental property, preparing, maintaining, and communicating with guests and employees is the name of the game. That's where Breezeway's best-in-class property care and operations platform comes in. Their easy-to-use tools help you automate, coordinate, and communicate with guests and staff in a seamless way. Plus, Breezeway integrates with over 30 PMS and IoT devices, meaning you can easily harness data to enable your staff, make work more efficient, build better schedules, improve quality assurance, harness guest texting, provide comprehensive owner reporting, and so much more. If you're looking for an operations software platform that will make an immediate impact on your business, visit breezeway.io slash proven principles to learn more. When you're working with a customer, you want to have a, a good, solid relationship with them. By the time you get to contract stage, they know that you are looking out for their best their best interest. And you have uncovered everything there is to know about why they're booking with you. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. We haven't spent much time on hotel sales marketing on the show, so we decided to dedicate a four-part series to all of the intricate phases of these critical disciplines. We're talking with experts on how to get found by potential clients, prospecting and signing contracts, the changes to the booking landscape, and getting your story out there. This is the first episode of our sales marketing series. My guests today are Robin Moncrief and Nikki Wade. Both Robin and Nikki bring 25 plus years of hotel sales experience across multiple brands and management companies. They're also the hosts of the Don't Look Under the Bed Hospitality Podcast, where they speak with industry leaders about the future of hospitality and promote the industry to the next generation of professionals. This episode is all about contracts and negotiations. We discuss the prospecting and qualifying process, getting to the contract phase, negotiation, myths about hotel sales and marketing, and much, much more. So let's get to it. This is episode 76 of the Proven Principles podcast, Robin Moncrief and Nikki Wade on hotel contracts and negotiations. Enjoy. Robin and Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Don't look under the bed, the podcast. Thank you. Both of you are the hosts. Uh, yes. I, I'd love to know yes. how this show came to be for those uh, that are listening right now that, that haven't heard the show. Uh, what's it about? But also, you know, tell us a little bit about both of you. What's been your, your career arc to date? I guess I'll start. Um, Don't Look Under the Bed, a hospitality podcast started with Nikki and I just having conversations while we were uh, furloughed from work. So we talked about our um, job search, what we were doing, what we could do better, things like that. And then one day I was like, you know what, we should record this because I'm sure there are other people out there going through a similar situation. So we started recording and then, you know, we just came up with more ideas. Well, let's talk to some industry leaders. Let's talk to some HR folks to make sure that we're doing this right. And, uh, and that's kind of like how it was born. Um, we've been in the hospitality industry for me, it's been 30 plus years. And so I've dedicated my career to this industry and I want it to survive. So that was my way of giving back and just promoting the industry and, um, and keeping, keeping it alive mm -hmm. so that people would still, uh, be interested in, um, you know, in joining the hospitality industry. Nikki, how about you? How is how's your career been to date? Uh, how did you get to where you're at? 
I um, I actually came into the industry on a different path. I came in as an intern in college and uh, I was able to work at a couple different types of properties and really figure out where I wanted to be. And so it's, it's been in the full service world is where most of my time has been spent. And I'm about almost 25 years in this industry. I love service. I love the experience. You know, whenever you walk into a hotel, it should definitely be an experience. And just as Robin said, um, while we were both had a, a little break <laughs> while we were on our little away time uh, during the pandemic, we would just talk and uh, just talk about all these different things in our industry and how, you know, how much we enjoyed it, how much we missed it. And something that I've realized is you don't really know how much you know until you start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, you know, it just became something of, let's share that. That's a gift we can give to this industry. Let's try to um, encourage people. You know, I'm not an expert on anything, but if we can make people feel good, let's do it. Yeah. And you have a perspective on things that you've, you've honed over many years. And I think like probably a lot like you guys, like when my, I started the show in a very similar way, got furloughed and eventually laid off from a, a corporate hotel position. And wanted to just have those conversations, wanted to have a seat at the table still and help people going through the same thing. And it felt funny talking about my experience and, and like, who am I coming to putting out a show? Right. And I don't know if you had that imposter syndrome feeling too, at the beginning, but over time you kind of realize like, oh, we're all going through the same stuff. And, you know, it kind of helps to, to maybe wallow a little bit in the experience that we all went through. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you're just, everyone's trying to find a path. How do I deal with this? And just getting more information helps you um, figure it out. Yes. You're absolutely right. So I, I, you guys are doing great work. Thank Keep it up. Keep, please keep going with the podcast because I love it. But thank you. What I wanted to, to really dive into today, this is the first in, in four episodes of a sales and marketing series for hospitality. And I was talking with Nikki before we started recording. I haven't had a lot of sales and marketing people on the show. And that's not by design. That's just my brain is so hyper wired towards operations that that the sales and marketing piece throughout my career and on this show has just been a bit of a blind spot. Uh, and so there's a bit of a selfish nature to putting the series out to educate myself, but I know there's a lot of operations folks who are in the same position, uh, mm-hmm. where their only involvement is a site visit or dealing with a problem after the fact, right. there's obviously a lot more to it. So what I wanted to get you guys on to talk about today specifically was the, the contracts and negotiation part, mm-hmm. um, of the hotel sales part, hotel sales piece department. Um, and it's probably a good place to start is, um, are you guys waiting for the phone to ring or are you actively going out looking for people to book rooms with you? How does, maybe take us through, explain it to us as if we're five-year-olds. <laughs> what is the start of this sales process? So for me, I am in a uh, suburban neighborhood uh, extended stay property. So yes, I am having to go back to sales 101 and actually um, look for business. I am a hunter. 
So I am actively prospecting and looking for business for my particular hotel. Um, so that's the sales process for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with preparation, research, um, and just trying to figure out where the business is, who has it, and how you can get some of it. So uh, for me, it is totally, um, I'm totally always in investigative mode. I drive around the comp set to take a look and see what's going on in everybody's uh, uh, parking lot to see what what people are doing at breakfast and um, to see, you know, just what's happening in the market. So I am totally on the hunt. Okay. Checking, checking, right checking now. readerboards. <laughs> yes. All of yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Nikki, is it similar in your world? On my, my world is a little bit of the opposite. I'm at a downtown property, hmm. actually properties in downtown. Okay. And with us, we are surrounded by corporations, but a lot of people have not gone back to work. So there may be, you know, a handful of business travelers here and there. There are other things happening nearby that has kind of, um, has has allowed us to have different opportunities. Uh, we're surrounded by a lot of music venues and live music has come back. So I'm slowly becoming this all things tour buses and crew person. You know, and, you know, which is very different. I had a strong corporate business background, Mm -hmm. but, and leisure travelers, we're starting to see them coming in and it's, um, it's really interesting how the landscape of our business has changed. Even just the other day, I was talking to someone that their uh, family member was graduating from college, but the college had limited four tickets per graduate to attend. So they wanted to book a meeting room where they could live stream this graduation Mm. and have their own watch party with the family members that couldn't attend. That's nice. That's a different angle. Totally. I, you know, that's, I was like, wow, you know, that's different. (laughs) That that's a, that's a new, um, that's a new prospecting stream that I really had not considered. Right. That with all these events coming on uh, live or on, you know, virtual events that maybe there are people that want to get together and see them and all be in one place together. So I think even though, yes, my phone does ring, I still have to be hunting because, I mean, it's it's never going to be enough. Yeah. You know, our industry, we had hotels closed for months on end or opening back up with very limited staff. So you're, you're constantly in the looking mode, hunting, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on over here. Oh, uh, you know, even dealing with restaurants. Well, mm-hmm. restaurants send managers out to train at restaurants. There's a, there's a long-term stay opportunity in that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's constantly, moving and thinking and trying to figure out how do we reinvent this thing? So very different. 
Very different. And the, the, so the prospecting side of what you do is, is completely different. Gone are the days of, of, I assume right now that you know, your, your typical, uh, guest mix was very predictable, very, uh, you know, and you, yes. you kind of knew how to layer in business and that's all just been completely blown out of the water now. Does that mm-hmm. color how you look at yes. potential business now, or are you sort of like, you know, we, there's a big hole now Monday through Thursday, cause business travels not what it used to be. So we're willing to take a different type of guest mix in the hotel now, or are you still, is it still a little more like regimented? Um, for me, it is, uh, there, there's still some business mm. out there. There's just a matter of, uh, of uncovering it, you know, obviously and finding it. Um, I work in an area that is primarily oil, gas, petroleum, and energy. Um, and obviously most of those folks are still working from home. So I've had to go and look for other types of business. So um, training with insurance is still happening. Um, there's uh, The restaurants are booming now. So restaurants are still opening and they're doing training. Um, there's still lots of uh, construction going on. So I'm looking for um, projects and construction crews. So for me, the business is a little bit, uh, is a little bit different, um, now just based on the area where I am, but there's some out there. You just have to find it, uncover it. What's the, what's the process of getting from, uh, inquiry to contract? What is the, has that process or conversation with the client changed over the last couple of years? I don't think it's changed. Um, the phone doesn't ring, like you said, but if you do get an inquiry or a request for a proposal, um, the important thing is to be able to totally qualify it um, to make sure that mm. one, it fits, you know, your product fits their needs and two, you know, they fit your needs. So um, you have to go through the entire sales mm. process of, you know, qualifying it, um, totally and, you know, producing a proposal for them and, you know, getting the buy-in that your product actually works for them and then moving on to, um, you know, negotiation and contract phase. So you, you, you still have to take all those steps. I definitely agree with you there. And what I find is, uh, those persons who were maybe the meeting planner or the travel person, they may or may not be there anymore. So now you're really taking it from, you know, the basic levels, completely explaining to the person, is is this what you're asking for? And as Robin said, really qualifying that piece of business because you you may not be working with that seasoned or skilled meeting planner person anymore. It may be someone who they said, Hey, you know, we need five rooms, you know, go figure it out. And so now we're, we're working. That's, that's our client. That's our customer. Yeah. So you, so you're able to qualify the business. Um, and the client, you get to, you get to that part where they're like, okay, send me a contract. Let's, let's get into this here. Um, What's involved in the negotiation process when you're trying to get a contract signed? 
Um, and I'm thinking specifically about like, I've seen some sales contracts in hotels that are, you know, they're that thick, you know, 20, 30 pages and mm -hmm. full of clauses and, and, you know, there's protection for the hotel. I mean, there's a lot of demands on the client. Um, when you, when you get into that, is it more, there's more negotiation going on than just, uh, room uh, rate, right? Like how much they're going to pay, right? There, there's a lot more here. So can you yes. maybe give us some perspective on yeah. how those conversations usually go? I think, um, and this has been my experience, if you qualify it properly and get everything out on the table um, during the proposal stage, your contract and your negotiation are going to go uh, a lot smoother. So when I say that, uh, you know, obviously um, when you're working with a customer, you want to have a, a good solid relationship with them. By the time you get to contract stage, they know that you are looking out for their best, their best interest. Um, and you have uncovered everything there is to know about why they're booking with you. Um, I can use, for example, uh, a group, maybe like a, a medical, um, a medical supply group is coming to the hotel. And so I want to, I want to find out what their goals are. I mean, at the end of the day, what is it that you want to achieve? Um, I want them to know that I'm interested in their success. So just the RFP will simply say, I need a meeting room for 12 people from one to five. Mm -hmm. And that's all you get. Well, there's more to that. It's like, well, why, what's the purpose of the meeting? Um, what is it that you mm -hmm. hope to achieve? You know, by the time you have all of the conversations and you're able to extract what the end result is, I end up finding out that the medical supply company is uh, courting somebody to sell their product to. So they're trying mm -hmm. to impress someone. So at the end of the day, they need to look good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's just kind of just on a surface mm -hmm. level, just an example of being able to find out and uncover what actually is the, uh, the end result that, that the client is looking for. And so I think when they know that you're generally interested in uh, what it is that they want to achieve and, you know, they know, they know what their goal is. They know what it's going to take for them to be successful. You just need to get that out of them. Um, and I think that the negotiations, um, go a little smoother. So yeah, you do have people that will send you an RFP with 30 different things on it. And it's an ask, um, but you'll be able to, to, to suss through that. So that's, that's kind of like my experience. Yeah. Nikki, do you, do you find that, uh, where we are today that you're dealing with less savvy, uh, clients, or let, maybe that's not a nice way to say it, just maybe less experienced. So they don't, like you have to walk them through the process more so than they're sort of like, they just sort of have a list of questions that they need to hammer out. One thing for me is con contracting with, with anything, whether it's a hotel or you're making a major purchase, it should never be scary. Both sides should understand. And even, even for myself, 
I, I'm reading through the contracts, making sure I understand and can fully explain every clause on that paper. Mm-hmm. And then if there are questions about it, you know, okay, well, let's talk about this. You know, what, and, and getting feedback from the clients because sometimes people don't know. And then I never want anybody to walk away uh from doing business with me, feeling like I wasn't clear or they didn't understand. And even the tough conversations, you know, sometimes I'll tell a client, hey, you know, I understand you're saying this is what you want. Let me suggest this or let's 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 do this instead, because, you know, maybe it protects them and maybe they don't realize they they need that. But I just feel like if you handle things the right way in the beginning, you you will have a return customer. People will follow you. They'll come back to you. They'll send other people mm-hmm. to you. So mm-hmm. it's just really handling. The, and it's that relationship. It's totally about the relationship. Yeah. I imagine that there's a, um, not that you're not on the client side, but you have to make sure that they know that you're not being predatory in the contract phase and that negotiation phase, you're not trying to lock them into something by pulling the wool over their eyes or, you know, that there's something buried in a deep, deep in a contract that nobody's going to see. Sure. It's really that when you talk about relationship building, I, I imagine a lot of that is just making sure that you're seen as a partner and a, and a shepherd kind of through the process rather than just a yes. transactional yeah. relationship. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. That's well, actually the part it, about creating though, the value is being, um, yeah, is being the partner and educating them, um, and just letting them being able to speak to every clause that's there in the contract. Another example I can use is you know how sometimes you get inquiries or um, somebody will call, like you said, maybe somebody that is not as savvy, and they'll say, um, "I need to to do a dinner for." a hundred people, um, during a date where it's not a catering free sale. Well, the catering manager is going to say, uh, well, we don't have it available. And so this person is like calling every hotel in the area, trying to find space. Well, nobody has stopped to tell them, Hey, um, let me tell you what's going on. Uh, the catering functions without rooms, they're booked within 90 day period. So call us back. And, uh, you know, if if there's space available, you know, we can move forward. But at this time, there's not going to be a hotel that's going to offer you space without rooms outside of, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the parameters are. And people appreciate that, you know, just like, oh, well, I had no idea. I've called like 15 hotels and, and nobody has space. What's going on? And it's like, uh, that's what's going on. <laughs> the, the, the space, the space comes with the rooms <laughs> and some people don't know that. And so it's, it's just the matter of, again, educating, um, you know, educating the client and people appreciate that. And just like Nikki said, you know, with, with clauses and, and things like that, it's just a matter of, uh, making them feel comfortable and that you are, um, that you are literate, that you are on their side and it is a partnership. Is there something or situation that you've you've found yourself in where the client you're dealing with somebody who's not that who's not who hasn't really done a lot of this, 
and they're not asking enough mm-hmm. or they're not asking the right questions. Um, cause, and you're sort of intuitively know, as you're talking to this person, like if we don't cover this, this could be a problem down the road. So yeah. is, what do you do when you find yourself in that yeah. situation? Do you, do you really like, do you lead them down a path? Or do you say like, oh, don't you want to know about this? Don't you want to know about that? Because you haven't asked yet. That, for me, where I really, oh, yeah, I can take, I was going to use an example of um, attrition. When you're dealing with rooms attrition, that's something that people may not be aware what, you know, rooms attrition. What, like, if I have 10 rooms and I only use five, then you can just go sell the other five. And we're like, no, that's not quite how that works. So then that's, and I always go back to rooms attrition and I explain it to them in detail. And then also I put the dollar amount with it. You know, if you don't perform here, you're going to owe me this much. And and I've even told uh, clients, I don't want to have this tough conversation with you. So let's talk about it right now. Mm. You know, maybe we can adjust your rooms block, see how it looks. And if you need more, we can give you more. But, you know, versus going down this path and then I have to call you and send you this letter and all these things that aren't very fun. You know, let me be up front and explain to you how this works. And then you tell me. And and nine times out of 10, they totally appreciate it. They get it. And it's, oh, I didn't know. And thank you so mm-hmm. much. That's what happens. So I, that's, that's just being a good partner. Yeah. It, it really is. That's just being, being a good partner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the attrition piece. Cause I have a, uh, there's always been this, this, um, narrative on the ops side about, uh, contracted blocks versus pickup versus what actualizes. Um, and how in some, I don't want to put you on the spot, but in some, uh, sales, um, uh, uh, incentive plans that it, 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 sometimes it appears from those that don't work in the sales department, that there's a, um, that the, the actual pickup doesn't matter. It's just whatever gets, gets contracted that the salesperson is, uh, is incentivized to do. Is there, are there any myths out there about that perspective that, that I'm guessing that that's a wrong perspective, but, um, can you maybe shed a little bit of light on what that looks like from your world? Um, in my experience, Adam, I would say, um, what's contracted, that's what mm-hmm. we agreed to with the client. Okay. Um, I have always, um, Cut it back by 20, 25%. So I allow for attrition um, in the system. So Mm -hmm. that's been my experience. I mean, yeah, we're giving the client 25 rooms on paper, but in the system, you know, I'm literally blocked to maybe 17 or 18. Yeah. So I I cut my blocks just to allow for that, that sort (laughs) of thing. And that's just me. I don't know how others do it, but I always want to be, uh, be a little conservative. Um, a client will always come in and say, Oh, I need <laughs> you're, like, you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> for five nights. 
And you're like, yeah, we would, we, we want to give you 80 rooms for five nights, but we know it's going to be 20, you know, and then 25. And mm-hmm. then you may peak at 47 um, and then go back down. So uh, just knowing that, um, you know, and, and that's a part of the conversation once again. Yeah. Uh, when you know the history, um, it, it, you need to uncover that that history so that you can know, OK, well, when they were in San Diego, this is what they actually picked up when they were in Nashville. This is what they actually picked up. So I'm not going to block 80 rooms for five nights, you know, because that may preclude uh, some of my other team members from booking something. So, you know, we want to make sure that it's accurate. Yeah, that's a really good point yeah. is the. The yeah. collaborative nature of 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 the salespeople in a hotel all working together, yeah. right? You don't want to yeah. just you don't want to take a you know a, a block that prevents to your point everybody else from being able to get business yeah. in there. I think yeah. that opens you up mm-hmm. probably to a lot of risk too. I mean, the whole point about layering yeah. layering in business is that it reduces the risk during the week. If if a block doesn't Correct. pick up, then you're like, well, we're forty eight hours out and we need to sell a hundred rooms. That's true. I was just going to say to Robin's point that um, you do have to work together. And then I've worked at places where they had, we called them uh, the revalves. So you'd put your group rooms in, they'd come in. And even if you wash the numbers down, you know, you did your cuts by 20% and then they they only picked up two rooms then it would go the other way yeah. and, you know, you'd be getting these negative numbers. So it, yeah. it's, I think it's just being a good steward of the hotel and your resources. How much leeway do you have to negotiate the particulars of a contract? I think everything is different. Every contract is different. There are different markets. So uh, if, if you're working in an association, on an association group, um, you typically know that goes through committee. So that's a long booking cycle. So that takes a long time to kind of get through all the different authorizations and, and approvals that it needs to go through. Um, for corporate, so if you have an oil and gas company, it's like, okay, they, they can call you Friday and they could be here on Monday. Uh, same with the pharma or, you know, uh, a, a local medical technology um, group. So I would say it's all um, it's it's all relative to to the specific market. Nikki, same experience. Yeah, it it really is, and yes, and um, I mean I've done like sports, and so negotiating yeah. with teams is far different from probably anything I've ever done. Uh, it's just the ask with them; it it looks different. There's certain things they absolutely have to have. And, you know, you have to, okay, well, you know, let me see if I can get you 200 pounds of ice or, you know, you just, you <laughs> just have to do it. So it does. The, the different, uh, the different industries, they, they lead you into what that negotiation mm. is going to look like. That's a really good point. And I'm wondering if there's, uh, if you've got an eye on, uh, especially if it's a new client, how much future business you're able to get from 
somebody? Like, what is is there a, a lifetime value of this client that has to be part of the consideration when you're in the negotiating process? Because it'd be really easy to just say, no, this is the clock. This is what it is. This is what it is. But if you can yeah. establish a long-term relationship with, with a, a new client, um, maybe you'd be willing to be more flexible. Absolutely. Again, it goes back sure. to uh, qualifying it. That's going to be one of the first things on the table um, when you're talking to them. Where have you been in the past? Um, what has worked well? Uh, what's the what's the repeat value of it? Who's the decision maker? What's the decision making process? Um, you know, what are the factors to make the decision? Who else are you considering? So all of these things are are items that need to be on the table before there's a proposal even presented. So um, you asked about clients asking questions before. It's it's not them asking questions. It's us yeah. asking questions and being able to uncover everything. And that's been my my yeah. experience. Yeah. No, I think that's that that's absolutely actually really interesting perspective. I think it's a. Um, I, I like that that it keeps coming back to to you leading the conversation. You're always trying to figure oh, yeah. out if this is the right client for you. And, and it's through those mm-hmm. lengthy discussions. Um, and you yeah. might be, I imagine you're working sometimes on a client for weeks until you get to the contract phase. Oh, yeah. sometimes months, yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is so true. It's yeah. it, well, just depending on the, the markets that you have. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. Good point. Um, Nikki, I'm sure that you've found yourself in a position. Yeah, because if you're in an association. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure, Nikki, you've found yourself in a position where uh, a talk has fallen apart and you thought you were there and they're just like, no, we're, we're pulling back for whatever reason. Um, what, are, what are some of the most common reasons for this that you've, you've found in your discussions? What I, when that happens... Like I immediately start wondering, what did I miss? You know, especially when it's something that I felt like I had it, you know, it was within reach. And I usually am able, and again, it's the relationship, able to go back and say, has anything changed? What has changed? And sometimes it's just, they really prefer this brand. I was trying to get them to go mm. somewhere different, but the decision maker really prefers this. I more or less look at that as that's a time to kind of kind of look at how I'm selling. Did I ask all the right questions or, you know, had I thoroughly checked out who the competition was to be able to say, okay, well, why are you looking over there? You know, what are those guys doing? Um, so it's, and, and sometimes you, you do lose business. You work hard on business and you lose it and it, and it could have nothing to do with you, but it could just be that, you know what, so-and-so got married there and they just wanted to go back, you know, things mm-hmm. that are totally beyond your control. Um, and that just comes with doing your due diligence and, and knowing, having everything out there and in front of you. Is it, uh, Robert, is it possible to get things back on track? Have you had any, are there any tips or things that you've done that, that can kind of bring them back to the table? 
I think so. Um, in my case, I would say negotiations typically will fall apart. Again, it goes back to that uh, qualifying phase. If you didn't find out who the decision maker was. So all this time I've been talking to Adam and Adam is merely collecting information and I sent Adam the proposal. Well, Adam can't say yes or no. (laughs) So I should have found out that he wasn't a decision maker, but I need to talk to Adam's supervisor. So you can start over again and get back on track by just merely stating, hey, you know, Adam, is it possible that I can speak with uh, your supervisor, um, Nikki, and, and kind of discuss, you know, what, what she's looking to get out of this uh, meeting or whatever. And so you can get it back on track, um, you know, that way. Sometimes the negotiations fall apart because uh, the customer had no intention of buying from you. You know, they just wanted to get a bid so that they can get a lower price perhaps at their Mm. current vendor, you know, so that (laughs) happens, (laughs) you know, sadly, but I mean, that's the reality, (laughs) but you can absolutely get back on track. You can't, you just have to go back to those qualifying questions and and make sure that, um, that you ask again and and uncover whatever it, whatever the obstacle is. That is, I love that, that uh, advice about finding out who the decision maker is. That was when I started doing consulting, that was the first lesson that I learned because you go through that whole process and you think you're there. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're relying on a third party who's not really interested either way Mm -hmm. to relay your story and information. Um, And, you know, I mean, play that game of telephone. You, You know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. So just go straight to the top. That's right. Even though... The, your direct contact may not be the decision maker. You still have to find a way to keep them involved. So it's it's usually like this person might be the influencer, whereas uh, their supervisor may be the decision maker. So we want to, you know, let's keep everybody close, you know, because usually you do end up back with the uh, influencer after the d- decision has been made. So it's, it's important to... Uh, build those relationships on both sides. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. Um, and which is, it just brings this whole conversation full circle uh, that it's all about relationships and, and cultivating that connection with people, which is what we're trying to do every day, regardless of your position yeah. in a hotel, right? You just, your, mm-hmm. your audience yeah. is different mm-hmm. depending on your position, but it's the same goal. Uh, I uh, mm-hmm. I'm just curious to get, from both of you before we wrap the show here, any, um, anything actionable that, that in your experience that you've, you've seen that, that either a salesperson, maybe someone junior coming in or that, a, a company you've worked for in the past or a hotel you worked for in the past, maybe could have done things a little bit differently. Is there some piece of actionable advice that you could give to that, that new salesperson or that hotel company that's struggling, um, that could help propel them to the next level? Gosh, I would say for any hotel salesperson, the sales training is absolutely key. Take advantage of those two weeks that you're onboarding and really get to know, obviously, your product, but your market um, and take advantage of all of the online learning. There's so much now. Um, you know, whether it's Marriott or Hilton or Mm -hmm. even LinkedIn, um, where you can get different perspectives. 
hotel sales is a lot different from, uh, say, for instance, um, um, car sales, um, because you've never met that person before. You know, you're walking yeah. in and you're walking out. You don't know that person. But hotel sales, you're going to meet somebody. They're going to send you an RFP or you're going to talk to the phone with them. And that's your opportunity to start building that rapport and building that relationship. Um, so I would just say, you know, take advantage of, of, of all the training and, and that, that person deserves mm-hmm. the proper onboarding. Nikki, how about you? That's yeah, that's absolutely correct. in uh, the training portion, I mean, I think about there's things that I do 25 years into it that I learned at my very first hotel job. And it's funny because we laugh about it, but it always works. And, and I I think that's, that says a lot to the, um, the strength of that training and the conviction of that, you know, we, and, and learn how to deal with conflict. If you're a new salesperson, Mm -hmm. learn how to deal with conflict and negotiation. It, It will save you. If you're yeah. able to really become strong with it and and confident in what you're doing, you know, it's just hospitality sales, it's changed. It's changed a lot, but some of it is still very much the same. The fundamentals are the same. Just, uh, you know, it's... Uh... Yes. Uh, then maybe the clients are changing and their needs are changing, but that's, um, one, mm-hmm. one last question. Then we'll wrap. Uh, it just came to me here. What do you want the operations people to know about what it is that you guys do day to day, or, uh, maybe bust a myth that you think might be out there? <laughs> oh, I know. Boy, that's I know. a whole nother episode, Adam. <laughs> We're going to have to come back. <laughs> we'll have to come back. Because <laughs> the perception is we live up there in the Crystal Castle and we're having lunch right. and, and, and cocktails with clients every day. But I mean, just know that we are working, we are working for y'all. We're working for operations so that there are, you know, that there's business, that there's revenue, that there's, you know, hours for housekeeping and for banquets. We, that's, that's what we're doing. I mean, our names are on those contracts. So we are, uh, you know, there's an expectation there. And so we're, we're working for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. We're, we're on the same team, you know, just, we just play a different role, but we're all on the same team and that sales we're we're not just doing things or uh promising things to oh let's see if they can make this work no that's not the case we're all on the same team yeah. and the communication i feel like i i always let my operations team know i'm available if there's a question i i never want to throw someone out there and i'm not standing there next to them and we're holding hands so let's, you know, let's work together. We're on the same team. Yeah, I, I love that. It, I, I remember telling um, uh, people, if, if it wasn't for what you do every day, 
we wouldn't have hours. We wouldn't be able to send our kids to school. We wouldn't be able to put food on the table because, you know, up until maybe this is going to change, but staffing and scheduling was always occupancy based. We, we need those rooms so people oh, yeah. can get hours. Um, and so it mm-hmm. is all, everybody's connected. Yeah. It's, uh, That's right. it's symbiotic for sure. Yeah. Um, That's Robert Nikki, if anybody wants to learn more about either of you or your podcast, what's a good place for them to go? Uh, we're both on LinkedIn and they can find us on Instagram and Facebook at don't look under the bed, uh, pod. And, um, where else Nikki? That's yeah. I think that's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. Well, I'll link to everything in the show notes. If people want to just, uh, scroll down and you'll find it on your podcast player there. Um, Robin, Nikki, I appreciate you being on. Uh, I appreciate you being the first episode of the sales and marketing series. I hope it provides value for people out there. Uh, But either way, uh, appreciate you guys bringing your expertise on and, and keep up the great work with the podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. This was my episode with Robin Moncrief and Nikki Wade. You can learn more about their podcast on Instagram at don't look under the bed pod. To hear past episodes or check out our other content, go to the provenprinciplespodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.